All right, so as Pastor Jean introduced, you know, our sermon today looks at the friendship between Jonathan and David. So before, just kind of maybe a show of hands, especially because our kids and our youth group is here, but who has a best friend, right? Right, I see some of the, the, the kids raising their hands, maybe hopefully adults, you guys have best friends too, right? You know, you know my sermon title today was BFF, right? Best friends forever, or as you know, as I like to hopefully demonstrate in today's sermon, what does it look like to have a biblical friend forever? Um, you know, for me personally, I was thinking about who is my best friend, and I was fortunate enough to meet him right before graduating high school, um, and he ended up being my roommate for actually all four years of college up in UC Davis. His name is Andrew. I think I have a. This is like a random collage of, I still think I look just as young, but this was back, I think, from 18 all the way till I was 24, 28 right now. But um, yeah, he's my best friend. We've done so much, not just living life together, but doing things together um, and just, um, you know, living in the same room for four years. You, you definitely grow to, to love one another and to just um, be really close and tight-knit. And so today in, this, in the passage, we also see that kind of deep best friend relationship with David and Jonathan. And just to kind of quickly summarize, just to kind of get everyone on the same page of who David and who Jonathan are, right? as we saw maybe a couple weeks ago in 1 Samuel chapter 17, right? we saw that David conquered Goliath. I think I have the picture that Pastor John used for his sermon a couple weeks ago. Um, and we also see that, um, you know, just as David conquers Goliath, he starts getting all this praise, all this adoration. People are singing songs on the street, loving on him. And this kind of makes the king jealous, right? King Saul. And so um, as King Saul is very envious, very jealous, of this shepherd boy turned warrior, um, he starts to try and even want to kill him. He starts trying to attack him. And we see that King Saul's son, the next heir to the throne, um, seeing the hand of God working in David's life, seeing David um, obeying the will of God, conquering Goliath, conquering the armies of the Philistine people, right, developed this close-knit Friendship. It even says in First um, Samuel chapter 18 that they, their souls were knit together because of their great love for one another. And so um, in this, you know, as I dive into this passage for today, you know, I, I wanted to look at what are three characteristics of deep biblical friendship that can have, hopefully last forever. And so um, the first point that I kind of wanted to look at was this idea of, and I tried to use alliteration for all three of these points, um, this idea of being committed over being what is convenient. I think so many times we choose what is convenient over what we can oftentimes, you know, it's the more committed route, such delicious, good food. But up until then, you know, I, I ate out quite a bit, right? And one of the and obviously, when it comes to eating out on a budget, wanting something really quick, right, the first thing is looking to fast food. 
right? Paying a little bit of money for something really quick, right? Or when we go out shopping, always looking for what's most convenient, what's the cheapest, what's the most accessible, um, closest to me. And I think um, not just in when we buy certain things, but even in our own relationships with one another, how often do we often choose what is more convenient as opposed to being choosing to be more committed? Um, you know, as we see in this passage, David and Jonathan are obviously very committed and very strong in their friendship with one another. And an example that of a close friend and this idea of commitment and convenience, you know, reminds me of our children's director, Peter. And, you know, over the years serving at Crossway, there's a lot of times where I'll go on these trips, and oftentimes it leads me to having to fly out of LAX airport. And I don't know about for you guys, but there is nothing convenient about LAX airport. And even just getting to LAX airport is such a hassle. And so thankfully for friends like Peter, you know, we used to always do this hashtag when we're texting each other of friends don't let friends Uber, right? And so even though, um, you know, Peter lives so much further than me, you know, time after time he's willing so that I don't have to spend $50, $60 on an Uber picking me up, to driving me to the LAX airport, you know, keeping hold of my car, picking me up when I'm back from my trip because true friends don't let friends Uber. Can I get an amen? Right? Right. As we see, you know, in this passage, right, this idea of um, commitment is so evident in the friendship between David and Jonathan. We see in the previous verse, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 16. Um, we can get that up on the screen. Right? And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Right? This idea of Jonathan making a covenant, Jonathan making a promise to David of, you know, I'm in this with you. And it's definitely not convenient for Jonathan to do so. He writes, may the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. Who, who is one of David's enemies? It's Jonathan's own father, King Saul. Right? How inconvenient is that to the fact that seeing the hand of God, seeing you know, the might that the Lord has upon his brother David, you know, sticking through and choosing to be committed to his best friend, even over that of his own father. You know, and with this commitment, you know, as we develop this strong bond with one another, what naturally develops over time, right, is this idea of love, right? We see it all because of the great love that Jonathan had for David. Um, he's able to do all these things, right? And I don't know about for you guys, but I think the more and more we are committed in relationship with one another, we see two things kind of naturally fall in, right? It's either we go the positive route in which we develop this strong love for our fellow brother or sister, or maybe we go the other route of developing a strong loathing, hatred towards this fellow brother or sister. 
And I think in this story of David and Jonathan and King Saul, we see both examples. We see both extremes of what it looks like to love versus loathe. And, and I think for us in our culture today, um, just being relational people, interacting with people, right? Do we not also fall in, in line with this of developing love towards some people and loathing other people? And I think a big root of that is in this idea of this culture constantly comparing, you know, our own lives, our own situations to that of those around us. You know, I have this kind of cute picture. I think if we can get it up there, right? And it's this idea of love and loathing, right? Um, and, I, and I love how cute, not just how cute this picture is, but you know, the fact that it's used with little kids. And today, you know, having our crosswalk children, having our Thrive Youth, having all the adults here, you know, do we not all experience these strong emotions of love and loathing? You know, I, th- I think about, you know, for our Crosswalk students and the wonderful job that Peter's doing, right, there's this um, loving environment that is built. But, you know, for those of us that are of loathing, right, whether it's with fellow siblings, fellow friends, right, wanting a certain toy that the other person has, wanting to go to a certain place or trip that our fellow friends go on. And that doesn't just end in child as loving as this, and as... Um, amazing as our youth are, right, how many times do we, get, do we fall into that constant comparison, constant loathing of who did better? You know, academics is so big, and who, who got the better grade for this particular test? Who did better on this project? You know, who got into this school? You know, it doesn't end, even as adults, right? When, when we look at what careers we choose, this person got this job, or this person makes this much money, this person has, lives in this kind of house, has, drives this kind of car, and we see that extreme example of loathing here with King Saul. Right? In verse 30 and 31, if we can pull that up on our screen, it says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And we see this extreme example of loathing, even to the point of death, right? that Saul is so jealous, so loathing of David, that not only once, but multiple times, we see him try to kill David. And so to contrast that, you know, what, do we, what is the example of love that we look to? Right, we see that in this example of Jonathan loving David to the point of loving David as his own soul. And obviously, you know, this is something that God calls each and every one of us to do. Right, we look at the second greatest commandment, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And this idea that it's not just our best friends, it's not just um, our comfortable friends, our convenient friends, but we're called to love all. Right? The fact that we come together 
you know, as a church, as a body, right? I think especially when we look at even family dynamics, do we not oftentimes see both of these play so extremely, right? This idea of loathing and envying our siblings or our significant others or our children, but yet we are always called in this idea of love. So, you know, obviously with this idea of loving one another, it looks at this horizontal relationship, right, that we are all called to love our fellow brothers and sisters. But I think more importantly than that is also looking at the vertical relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, right? And this leads to my last point here, which is this idea of being aligned and not against um, you know, being married to my wife, Hemin, now for the past three months, or just over three months, you know, many times people keep asking us, you know, how is married life? And, you know, married life has been great. It's been amazing. Um, but at the same time, I oftentimes describe it as it's also been very refining. That, you know, just being vulnerable with her, living life with her, as much as I love her, right, there, there can't help but be these moments of conflict, right, these moments of, you know, being against one another at times. And, you know, it's crazy how, you know, even though we're this married couple, there's actually quite a bit that, that, that makes us very different, that makes us very unique. You know, for me, I'm a big sports addict. I don't play as much as I should. I typically tend to, to watch a lot more. Um, you know, for him, she does a great job of trying to watch it with me, you know, with the NBA playoffs, you know, cheering on my favorite team, the Golden State Warriors. You know, you, know, you guys can boo me all you want, but, you know, even though we didn't win this season, you know, we, we won more recently than the Lakers. But anyways, you know, this idea of when we aren't, you know, align with one another, what happens? And it especially comes up when we fight, when we argue. You know, I'm the type of person that I just need to talk things out. Even if I'm not fully formulated everything, I need to talk it out. And Hammond is the complete opposite. You know, first she needs to process it internally. So as you might imagine, you know, in times of conflict, there's moments where it's just, really awkward, you know, I'm like talking my, my brain out and she's just silently processing and thinking things out and just kind of taking her time. You know, and, and as different as our, as our views of how to resolve conflict may be, as different as our interests may be, you know, I think it goes back to, are we aligned on the things that matter? Are we aligned when it comes to our view of who our Father is? Um, you know, as we see um, this friendship between David and Jonathan, and as they close out um, this chapter, we see, um, in, then Jonathan said to David, go in peace because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And, they, and he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. And even though they physically depart here and go their separate ways, you know, they are both aligned in their view of the Lord. Right, they're both uh, in alignment of who 
you know, what they worship, who they look to, you know, as important as their commitment and their love to one another is, their alignment with the Heavenly Father is obviously much more important. And it's because of that, that even when adversity strikes, right, even when, you know, trials and tribulations may come, right, they are able to endure and they are able to ultimately succeed with God. You know, the contrast that we see the example of what happens when we are against the will of God, and we see that with King Saul, right? Even though God brought him to become the first king of Israel, we see that as he quickly turns more upon himself as opposed to that of God, right? The ultimate failure that he becomes, right? Not only does he lose the throne, but he ultimately dies, He's ultimately killed, and we see that as the Lord has left Saul, the Lord now has come on to David to rise up the next king. And I, and I love that as we see in this verse, verse 42 where it says, where Jonathan imparts upon David right, to go in peace. And I think that's a very important aspect of what when we align with our Heavenly Father, Right, something that it, um, it never fails to give us. You know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, growing up in the church, what is one of the things that we are constantly, you know, challenging and applying and always asking of God? And why do we pray? What is the point of prayer? If God already knows everything, why do we pray? And it's this idea here of not only does he give us peace, but it's this idea of aligning ourselves with the will of God, right? The true and perfect and good will of our Heavenly Father. You know, looking at the, you know, as we continue to study through the life of David, you know, how many times do we see all throughout the book of Psalm, right? Him praying fervently to God, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, um, to search me, God, and know my thoughts. All these different prayers are not to change the will of God. It's not to get what we want, but it's ultimately to align our hearts with God, to make sure that we are on the same page with God. Um, and it is because of that, um, that that we ultimately right, desire to be with him, do we not? You know, for my message today, yeah, we're looking at these three different characteristics of what good biblical friendship looks like. But my, my hope and my prayer is that it's not just a moralistic sermon, you know, that it's not just a to-do list of, you know, after today, who are our good BFFs, right? Who can we find to, to be that for us? And to be honest, it's not even just the fact of how can I myself be a better biblical friend forever, right? But I think it's also looking to, you know, who is the ultimate BFF in our lives? You know, as great as our horizontal relationships can be with one another, you know, another reminder 
um, from this passage is found in the, the greatest BFF, which is our, you know, the, our, right, as we look in um, John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, it says, can we, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Right, looking at these different characteristics of deep biblical friendship, we see this idea of commitment over convenience, this idea of um, loving over loathing, and lastly, this idea of being aligned with our Father and not against. And do we not see a greater example of that um, than our Savior, Jesus Christ? The fact that he came down willingly, very inconvenient to himself, but committed in his love for us, um, that he was able to obey and be aligned with the Father to lay down his life so that we, that all that who believe in him, right, can have eternal life, that can be reunited with that intimate friendship with that intimate relationship of our Heavenly Father. And so, you know, not only am I challenging us here to not only look for deep biblical friendship, to not only be a better biblical, biblical friend, but can we also look to our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who already did that for us. And it's because of that that we can freely um, live that out each and every day. So with that, let me just close us in a word of prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for um, just the, the many deep, meaningful friendships um, that you have given to us. God, that we're able to not only love you, but also love those around us. God, I pray that we would be really challenged this week to always strive to be committed, to be loving, and to be aligned with you. God, we thank you for your son who did all of that and more. God, that is only because of him um, that we can um, have that relationship with you. It's only because of him um, that we have um, a biblical friendship that not only lasts here on this earth, but can last forever into eternity in heaven with you. God, we thank you so much. We love you. In your name we pray.